Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What's going on, guys? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Rent a Gold Standard podcast. My name is Zach Hernandez, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Wellen. Matt, how you doing this Sunday afternoon? You know, it's a little weird, no Niners football, um, but it's good to be back. It's been a while for us. Um, life happens, and, you know, we got a little, little out of sorts for the week, but we're back, and we're ready to preview this game in Mexico City tomorrow between the Cardinals and Niners, man. Let's jump into it. Exactly. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about. It's going to be a good game, hopefully a good game. Uh, before we do, if you're watching on Twitter, head over to youtube.com slash 49ers Hive. Join from there so we can see and interact with your comments. We're not ignoring you. We just can't see them from Twitter. So make sure you go to the link. It's on the screen on the little header below. All right. With that all out, all the word vomit, Matt, the 49ers come into this game on a two-game winning streak, finally got above 500. The Cardinals kind of on the opposite end, a little beat up. We don't know if Kyler Murray's playing. We don't know if DeAndre Hopkins is playing. We'll go over the injury report later. But how are you feeling going into this primetime matchup? You know, this should be a game that the 49ers can take control of quickly and kind of put to bed quickly. But, you know, beyond just the injury report, there's been some weird happenings uh, this week for the 49ers. And... You know, it's always something that you have to watch out for. You're playing on a neutral field. You don't know the area. Um, you had a tough week of practice that we'll get into. And so this is one of those trap games if you're not careful. And, you know, beyond that, the Cardinals just play as tough anyway. So the 49ers have to come out sharp and on point to get the W. And I think they can do it, and they should do it. Um, so hopefully that all goes down. But you know, it's it's one you definitely cannot overlook. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, a lot of people I saw on Twitter when the injury reports were coming out were saying, like, don't tell me Kyler Murray's not playing. I'm already getting flashbacks to that matchup last year where Colt McCoy just completely whooped the 49ers without a lot of their top receivers. Um, before we get into this, Bolts Nation wants to know your thoughts on that Drake Greenlaw hit last week. We weren't able to do a recap show, so we'll right, talk about yeah. it. That was a soft ejection. Yeah, but I mean, honestly, I didn't even necessarily agree with the penalty. Um, I think Drake Greenlaw was kind of leading with his shoulder, trying to hit him with the shoulder, and yeah. you know that he was kind of like hit into Drake Greenlaw. And you know, I you don't want to say 
oh, it's because it's Justin Herbert and, you know, it's a quarterback and that's why. But, I mean, it kind of feels that way, yeah. you know. There, there was plenty of times where, you know, we saw it through the week today, you know, last week or whatever, where a player gets hit into another guy, they clash helmets, and it's not an ejection. So I thought it was pretty soft. And, you know, it fortunately it didn't hurt the team last week in terms of they were still able to win the game and everything. But it's just it, – it sucks, man. It, it sucks because it takes Dre Greenlaw out of a rhythm. Yeah. Not only that, but and it, just to kind of add to your point about how maybe it was just because it was Justin Herbert, we saw a very similar hit not too long before that um, with Brent, Brandon Ayuk, who got hit and ended up having to fumble. Um, basically, one player pushed him into another player, and then that second player hit him with the crown of the helmet. That wasn't called for a penalty, so it's tough for me to understand how you can call one and not the other when they're both basically the same situations where I don't think either player were intending to hit any of the players that got hit in the head, but it's just what happened. And like you said, it's just the quarterback. So it's tough, but that's, that's the NFL. Um, Let's see. So going into this game, the 49ers are relatively healthy. I believe the only player that's ruled out is Eric Armstead. How do you feel about them coming into this game health wise? Yeah, uh, they're starting to get there, which is what, you know, something we can't say. Obviously, we still have guys that are going to miss the rest of the season um, that are on IR or what have you. But, you know, the fact that it's just Eric Armstead and then uh, Samson Ebicom is questionable with that quad injury. That's uh, that's a pretty good, pretty good sign for the rest of the season. I think the 49ers are getting healthy at the right time. If they can maintain that health, I mean, they're they're deep at every position except for, you know, a couple that we've talked about before. But, you know, it, it's good to see all of the players that we need to be there just about back. Now, I'd love to see Eric Armstead back. I think that he's a huge piece of the run game. But, you know, e- that even with him out, the defensive line has enough talent that it's not really going to um, cause the 49ers to really miss a step. I think they can still go out there, dominate the trenches, dominate the line of scrimmage, particularly because as we'll get into the injury report, uh, I believe the left tackle, the starting left tackle Humphreys for the Cardinals will be out of this game. So that just allows people like Nick Bosa, Drake Jackson, when he gets in there, some of these others to just feast when they actually get into the game. So, you know, the 49ers absolutely are getting healthy at the right time. No doubt about it. Yeah, 100%. And uh, speaking of the injury report, we can share it here. This is courtesy of 49ers Web Zone. They have it all shared. Let me change the backdrop. Oh, wrong one. There we go. All right. So you talked about DJ Humphreys being out. Tight end Zach Hertz is also out. Uh, and Byron Murphy is also out. The corner questionable guard Max Garcia, DeAndre Hopkins, and Kyler Murray, like I said, on the 49ers. And the only player that's ruled out for sure is Eric Armstead. And the only player questionable is Samson Ebucom, who I believe is kind of trending to play, but I never kind of know how to, how to roll on him. Um, I think the 49ers – likely don't see Kyler Murray. I mean, I, I don't know. I just have a feeling that he's going to be held out. Nothing to base that on, just pure my speculation. Um, I think they know for sure they're obviously playing the game of will he or won't he. I don't think he'll play, but we'll, we'll see. Um, Zach Ertz being placed on IR was a big loss for them. He was a big weapon, especially once they got into the red zone. DeAndre Hopkins questionable. We'll see. Um, yeah, spinning danger. Can we please for once not struggle against a mobile quarterback? 
Oh, man, it's so frustrating watching these quarterbacks just continuously scramble, make something out of nothing. But I guess we'll see if it's not even Kyler, then it's Colt McCoy, who's not necessarily a mobile quarterback by any means. Um, I don't know if you happen to catch Kyle Shanahan sitting down with Matt Mayoko to preview this game, but he was talking about how, just like 49ers throwback says here, whenever we lose to these guys, it's because we do not protect the ball. We turn the ball over. We end up losing the turnover battle. Do you think that's a key to winning this game? Obviously winning any game, but specifically against a divisional matchup is not turning the ball over. Absolutely. And, you know, all the news going around is that this could be the first time ever that Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't throw an interception for in three straight games. And, you know, it just highlights the importance of winning the turnover battle. And it highlights the amount of times that we actually do kind of turn the ball over. So um, it's it's one of those things where any game you need to win the turnover battle, but doubly so when you have a team like Arizona that just for whatever reason seems to play the 49ers really, really well. And it doesn't matter if they're having a good season or a bad season. Um, the last five or six matchups between these teams have been just knockdown drag out affairs. Um, so the 49ers definitely have to take care of the ball and they got to take care of business. And one of the things that we've talked about, with the 49ers and particularly Kyle Shanahan is he's got to keep his foot on the gas, no matter what, you know, if, even if they're up, he can't get conservative. He can't get cute. He can't let them stay in the game. He has to go for the throat of a very vulnerable team. And I'd like to see him do that. Yeah. Agreed. Um, Cause it's something that we've seen him. I don't want to say lose aggressiveness, but he just, kind of coasts with a very short small lead and it's extremely frustrating because more often than not it doesn't hold um spinic danger or excuse me which i just saw one here there we go how bad will we miss emmanuel mosley in this game i think it depends on if deandre hopkins played i believe i just saw marquise hollywood brown was ruled out so there's a chance the top receiver is rondale moore who is a good receiver but i like the 49ers odds if it's rondale against mooney yeah, I mean, I think it's just safe to say that in general, a corner the caliber of Emmanuel Mosley and what he's done for this team, he's going to be missed no matter what. Now, with the injuries, I don't think that it's as critical as it could be. Um, you know, last week's game, if you told me, you know, once Emmanuel Mosley went down that we had to go against the Chargers, I would have been worried. Fortunately, Mike Williams and um, Keenan Allen were out. And so we avoided that kind of situation, but you know, the Cardinals are a little down, a little out. So Charvarius Mooney Ward is going to have a good time against DeAndre Hopkins. If he plays, if not, I, I fully expect him to be able to clamp Rondale Moore. And then beyond that, it's not anything that our other corners can't handle. So I think they've done a pretty good job overall. Um, I mean, you look at the second half of that Chargers game, they didn't give up any points. It's just they're doing it by committee, and there's going to be some mistakes. I know uh, we I saw Diamador Lenore um, get a penalty, um, a PI, and you know that kind of thing hurts. But some of that is letting these young guys grow and and grow in situations where they aren't going against someone who's so elitely talented that they're just going to get dog walked. You know what I mean? So it, I, I think mostly always you know out is always going to be something that we miss, but we've had a pretty good stretch of luck to where it wasn't absolutely critical or wasn't absolutely detrimental that we didn't have him. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I think that the 49ers, like you said, if they were able to kind of hold their own against 
a much better quarterback and wide receiver core who was there Monday night, excuse me, Sunday night against the Chargers. They should be able to hold their own Monday night against the Cardinals, especially if Kyler Murray doesn't play. Um, by the way, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Inspector Dabbit for the run CMC merch. He's got a really, really good design going on. So hit shout out Inspector Dabbit on Twitter. Um, yeah, I, apparently the Cardinals are really good at creating turnovers. Buda Baker, um, I know Byron Murphy, he's going to be out, but it's interesting. The 49ers really, really need to protect the ball this game because it can be a very, very quick way to let the Cardinals get into the game, keep it a, a close game, and they cannot do that. Like Matt said, it needs to you need to have your foot on the pedal 100% of the time. How did you feel about the way they handled the running game Sunday night and how that kind of you think they'll predict how they handle it Monday night where it was more of a split backfield between Mitchell and CMC? Did that surprise you? No, not really. Um, If you look at the way that it played out in the first half, particularly the first quarter, Christian McCaffrey got a bulk of the carries. Elijah Mitchell got some. Um, But when it became apparent that Christian McCaffrey, just for whatever reason, was not getting the yardage that uh, Elijah Mitchell was getting. And you see towards the end of the game that Elijah Mitchell started carrying the ball more. I think it's going to be one of those where Shanahan's riding the hot hand. Whoever that's going to be is how it's going to be. And for the game against the Chargers, the 49ers had to move the ball. And, you know, Elijah Mitchell was just chewing up yards. So you feed the hot hand and move the ball for this team. That really does kind of struggle to score points at times. Um, you got to take whatever you can get. So I think the running backs understand that. And it's not, oh, you know, it, it goes back to that old where Tevin Coleman would start a game and people would be like, well, Tevin Coleman's a starting running back. It's like, just because you get the first carry doesn't mean that you're the starting running back. It's it's really just that's a worthless, meaningless kind of thing in this offense because Shanahan's going to hand the ball to a bunch of people and the hot hand is going to get more carries, plain and simple. Yeah, agreed. Um, I, I Personally, I was a little surprised, but once you kind of sit and think about it, it's like, well, look at what they were doing. Um, and not only that, I think Christian is obviously a lot more – What's the word I'm looking for? You can use him in a lot more situations than you can use Versatile. Elijah Mitchell. Versatile. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Uh, he can split him out wide. You can line him up in the slot. You can have him run routes, whereas Mitchell's not as versatile. So I think that it works out perfectly. It's a one-two punch, but you could also use McCaffrey in a bunch of different settings. Um, and I think Kyle Shanahan was basically saying that as well when he sat down with Matt Mayoko this past week and talking about how he doesn't really think about it. Like who's starting means that they're going to play the majority of the game. It's kind of just whoever gets in on that first play. It just so happens to be just like you said with Tevin Coleman. Um, I want to talk about Brandon Ayuk because I think Brandon Ayuk is fully coming into his own as a NFL receiver. We've talked about him going back into the off season about how he's poised to have a breakout year. It looks like he's in the process of having it. I believe he's on pace for roughly about a thousand yards. He's had 80 yards or so in the past four games. I want to say, What's your thoughts on Brandon Ayuk? Can he sustain this moving forward? Yeah, I think it's readily apparent. And, you know, I've said this before that my belief is that Brandon Ayuk is a better pure wide receiver than Debo Samuel. And the play is boring that out right now. Um, I think I I, honestly, I got to say that between George Kittle and Debo Samuel, I haven't been super impressed with their production. Um, Some of that could be Jimmy Garoppolo. A lot of that is them. Um, because everywhere I turn, it seems Brandon Ayuk is open and getting and getting the ball. 
So it that to me tells me it's more than just scheme, that it's actually the player. And if you watch Brandon Ayuk, he runs really crisp routes and he finds ways to get open and he works well in space. So I'm not surprised. Year three, he's he's coming to break out. And it's just, you know, he seems to be Jimmy's favorite now. And, you know, that's great. I mean, honestly, there needs to be guys that can step up when other guys are unable or not being schemed to get the ball. So Brandon Ayuk being consistent. And that's the thing. You know, we've seen the Debo game where Debo has a big game. You know, we saw a game earlier where George Kittle had a big game. You know, he had like eight or nine catches for like 90 yards or whatever. But it just seems consistently Brandon Ayuk is sitting somewhere between 60 and 80 yards receiving almost every single game. And that consistency to me is actually more important and more impressive than the boomer bust type performances we've seen from Debo Samuel and George Kittle so far. That's a really good way to put it. Um, it, it kind of is like that. It's it's all or nothing for Debo or Kittle, whereas Ayuk is just consistent. He's just there. He's always open. Um, we talked about, or I say we, Mike Andrews and I talked about it on his Patreon show that there's a chart that was going around. I don't think I could pull it up. I should have had it ready. It talks about how often a receiver's open and how often they, I believe, are able to make gain yards after the catch. And Brandon Ayuk is like always open and always gains some yards after the catch, more so than Debo Samuel. I think that the 49ers need to continue to feed him the ball, continue to make sure he gets five to six targets minimum per game because that just makes everything go so much easier for their offense. I rewatched the Chargers game last night. And there are so many plays where Jimmy was able to just kind of throw it across the middle. And all of a sudden it's a 22 yard gain, 16 yard gain, you know, 12 yard gain. It's like, this is easy. And he's always, almost always able to do it. So I'm really, really impressed with what Brandon Ayuk's been able to do this year. And even Kyle Shanahan said recently that he's he's been able to take like a step upon a step week after week. And he's already been playing at a high level. So he's impressed with what he's been able to do previously in the doghouse. Right. Now in the penthouse, so no, shout not. out to you. Yeah, end. exactly, exactly. Um, and, you know, it, it's th- the only thing that I'll say is I wish you would have caught that touchdown pass last week. That was yeah. definitely a drop from him. But um, Taryn Luce says, Ayuk is a better wide receiver, but Samuel is a better overall weapon. I would say he has more uses, but better. He's He hasn't been better this year. Yeah. He simply hasn't. He's been very pedestrian this year, to be honest. I mean, yeah. One one could argue the 49ers were better with Debo out, but I'm not making that argument. And it was against the Rams, so take it with a grain of salt. But I think that Brandon Ayuk has just consistently been the top weapon for the 49ers this entire year, the whole year. Um, question from Spinic Danger, which remaining game are we most concerned will give the 49ers trouble, or can we run the table? Oh, it's the Dolphins. Yeah. It's the Dolphins. You know, you asked earlier what game, you know, what is Emmanuel Mosley missed? We're going to find out when the 49ers have to cover Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. That's going to be a, a very tough ask. And it's definitely one of those things where, uh, you know, speed kills. And uh, it, it's, man, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I, I think Tyreek Hill already has over 1,000 yards receiving. I crazy mean, he is just he's just going off and you know it's it's crazy i mean to it to is definitely taking a step up and you know he's definitely developed in a way where he's getting the players the ball where they need to get the ball he's not turning it over and every game that he has started and finished the dolphins have won 
They're in first place in their division. They look really, really good on offense. They play very physical defense. And so that's the one where I look at it and I go, it could get away really quick. And we saw earlier when we just got absolutely blown out against the Chiefs that against elite level offenses, we might have a problem keeping up. And, you know, we can't rely on these 22 points, these 17 points, these 18 point offensive performances. You know, the offense has to hit its stride and give the defense a little bit of help because against some some of these higher powered offenses, particularly I'm looking at the Miami Dolphins with their receivers, not to mention that they have two former 49er running backs who are going to want to get a little modicum of revenge against their old team and want to play well. Um, and a first-year coach who came from the 49ers that is out to prove something. So that's the game that I'm just like, man, this is – it's a tough ask. And so that's that's the one I worry about, easily worry about the most. Yeah. I was going to say that one as well. Um, I'm not completely feeling great about uh, that Week 15 Thursday nighter in Seattle. Um I know the 49ers were able to take them to, to school week two, but this looks like a different Seattle team. Playing in Seattle is always tough. Um, hopefully they're able to take care of it. But my first choice would obviously be just like what Matt said, the Dolphins. Mike McDaniel is looking to step out of Kyle Shanahan's shadow. Um, you got Tua looking to make a statement. The receivers are looking to make a statement. The res- running backs, excuse me, looking to make a statement. So we'll see how the 49ers can handle it. I'm I'm just glad it's not going to be the game we're all going to, which is the Tampa Bay game. Hopefully the 49ers are able to take care of business then and we're able to leave happy fans. Um, This, what do you think? Medically speaking, will Armstead and Kinlaw be back for Miami? If so, I'm confident in the DBs. You know, I'm, I'm concerned that Armstead hasn't been back already. And I particularly because, you know, we knew about the plantar fasciitis, but then a couple of weeks ago they go, Oh, he has like a hairline fracture of his shin that we hadn't heard anything about and that he hadn't been playing for weeks with or weeks for before we knew he had it. So that one's concerning. And, you know, I think I have defended Kinlaw to the ends of the earth, but I think we're coming to the point where it's not, a good idea to rely on him for production. Yep. You know, it's not one of those things where if we get Kinlaw back, you know, that's then we can do this. It's similar to Jason Verrett, where it's just like it, we're getting to the point where it's almost not if Kinlaw is going to get hurt, it's when is he going to get re injured? When is that knee, you know? And we saw one of the best running backs of our generation have his career cut short because he just kept having knee problems with Todd Gurley. And so, you know, I mean, Kinlaw is a much bigger man than that. And we he went through the whole thing where he had the knee injury. First of all, he had tendonitis coming out of the draft that people were concerned about. He had the knee injury against Washington his rookie year. Come back, wasn't right the entire season. Goes and has another surgery. They, they say, we're confident we found the problem. And lo and behold, here we are in Kinlaw's third season. And it's still a problem. So if you didn't get it right the first two times, I don't think you can count on the third time to get it done. So yep. for me, I just think that Kinlaw is just an injury-prone player with a problem knee, and I don't think that he's going to be able to ever fulfill his full potential. So all those people that were hammering on that pick look like it turns out they're right. I agree, unfortunately. Um, it's just... I'm putting Kinlaw in the D Ford category until we see anything else that proves otherwise, because it's just such an up in the air status with him that even Kyle Shanahan 
I mean, even the reporters aren't asking about him, you know, like I know he was placed on IR, but it's just kind of like he had missed two games before being placed on IR has to miss a minimum of four. I think we're coming up on that four and we still just haven't heard anything from him. Um, And yeah, as far as Eric Armstead, uh, we found out about 11 days ago that he had a hairline fracture in his left fibula. In addition to the plantar fasciitis he's been dealing with in his right foot. So Injuries in both legs, not ideal. Randy Daytona says the shin problem is probably compensating for plantar. Plantar definitely unpredictable and has no timetable. So maybe, maybe not. Yeah, we don't know if it's this, if it's the same leg, if it's the opposite leg. But typically, a, a hairline fracture of the shin is not something that's an overcompensation injury. Yeah, uh, hung fat Niners thought they were smarter than everyone else drafting Kinlaw. You mentioned Matt that. Everybody knew about this coming in, and a lot of teams had him crossed off. Do you think this was kind of a case of the Niners being like, oh, we're not worried about that. Don't even worry about it. Yeah, it it definitely was. I think that they fell in love with the player and ignored the medical to their detriment. And I know that some teams will get steals on players because of injury or they were injury prone in college. And then for whatever reason, they're able to keep it together. But those guys are, you know, third, fourth, fifth round picks, not number 13. Um, or 14, whatever Kinlaw was. I think he was 13. So for me, you know, 13 turned out to be unlucky. Kinlaw has just had a hard time. And, you know, it's compounded by the fact that the 49ers traded away DeForest Buckner, who is still beloved by the fan base. And we picked up a player that is just not doing anything. Yeah. So, you know. And it is what it is. Extended uh, Armstead, who right. Granted, this has been his only year where he hasn't been healthy. I've saw I saw a lot of fans saying like this guy can never stay healthy. I don't think he's actually I mean, missed an extended period of no, time he's, outside of this no, year. No, so, this is his first season with yeah. any extended injuries. I think we're all Pavlovian, you know, having Pavlovian responses to the injuries. We're just like this guy's always injured. Yeah, it's just this team is always injured. It's what it seems like. Yeah. Oh, it is what it is. But again, yeah, I'm putting Kinlaw with the D Ford. We'll wait and see. But at this point, I honestly don't know if he'll be able to play another game in the NFL. So we'll, we'll see what it is. Um, what are some keys to victory? We're going to keep this show short this week, guys. We all got Matt's got to go to work. I got to get some Thanksgiving shopping done. Some keys to victory, 49ers, Cardinals, things you want to see yeah. happen. Yeah, absolutely. They need to score on their scripted drives. So the first offensive drive of the game, the first offensive drive of the second half, you need to score touchdowns on those drives. Take those 14 points out. The 49ers are typically good for another 10 points um, in the middle of the game. So you're looking at 24 to 27 points. And, and, you know, that's going to be how you get it done. You can't do this thing where the 49ers have done in the first drive of the game where you get down and you're just outside of field goal range. And then you have to like punt the ball because Kyle is super conservative when it comes to taking a shot at a long field goal, particularly because Robbie isn't the most leg heavy kicker in the world. So, um, you know, I don't want to see them stall out at the 42 yard line and then have Mitch Wisnowski knuckle punted out of bounds because they have no recourse. Otherwise, when you go out there with your scripted plays that you've been practicing, you know, um, you need to go out there and score. Um, beyond that, you know, the defense is going to take care of itself, but having depth at a lot of these positions, I'd like to see them rotate. I know they went to Colorado. I know they worked out at, at altitude, but 
you know, there's a difference between Denver, which is 52 uh, mile, let's just say mile high, right? 5,280 and Mexico city, which is almost 10,000 feet of elevation. It's almost twice as high. So, you know, they, they're trying to get acclimated to altitude, but it's going to be compounded between the extra height, the extra pollution, um, you know, travel, I think that it's we've seen NBA games in Mexico City. We've seen, you know, other sporting events in Mexico City. Athletes tire quickly. So the 49ers are going to have to do a good job of setting their offensive and defensive rotations and really being mindful of how players are looking on the fatigue aspect. So if we can stay ahead of the curve in terms of managing fatigue, then the 49ers will just start grinding down the Cardinals, particularly with how physical the 49ers like to be on both sides of the ball. Yeah, 100%. Um, A a key to victory for me would have to be, and this kind of is similar to what you're saying, turn these field goals into touchdowns. We cannot continue to settle for field goals, settle for three when we need seven. The 49ers went out, Kyle went out and got Christian McCaffrey, who I said I think would turn at least one field goal into a touchdown. We need to start seeing that paying out because the 49ers cannot continue to afford to just get by on field goals, especially against a divisional rival, especially on the on the road. I know it's Mexico City, technically an away game, but 82% of the tickets went to 49ers fans, so it should be able to be a home field environment. Uh, but I want to see touchdowns. I want to see field Yeah, goals. did you see uh, Stadium Azteca is decked out in Cardinals stuff because it's technically a Cardinals home game, but it's going to be 82% 49ers fans, so that'll be, that'll be really nice to see. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, all right. Another one for me, and then I'll, I'll shoot it back to you, would be getting George Kittle involved. When George Kittle is involved, things seem to go a lot smoother for the 49ers. He seems to have good games against the Cardinals. I know Buda Baker and him have this rivalry kind of that's been going on throughout the years. If George Kittle's able to get five, six, seven targets and and you know haul in even three to four of those, I think the 49ers offense starts humming a little more. Maybe look for him in the red zone. I don't know, but I want George Kittle to be involved early and often. What do you got? Um, I would like to see them take advantage of the Cardinals on offense by using short throws, screen passes. You have enough guys that can get out in space. If you let Jimmy drop back against Murphy and against uh, against Buda Baker and with Simmons back there, there's going to be – there's going to be potential for him to make a mistake. Um, You also don't want to allow Mike McGlinchey too much time to screw things up. So I'd like to see them get the ball out quick. And this goes back to if you have your rotations right, your offense is going to be able to just hum along at a quickened pace. Don't let the Cardinals get set. Don't let the Cardinals kind of sit on what you're doing. Um, And I agree with you that George Kittle needs to become more involved in the offense. Although I'd like to see them work really hard to keep Buda Baker away from George Kittle's knees. <laughs> Always seems to happen. Always seems to happen. Um, I'm just seeing now, by the way, Chuck Harris of Fox NFL. Um, or excuse me, this is per Peter Schrager is reporting that Colt McCoy will likely get the start tomorrow. So we'll see how that shapes out. Wow, that's big. Hey, Melissa, welcome. She said she's still unwell, but had to come on. Wish you both a joyful holiday week and early happy Thanksgiving. Same to you, same to all everybody here, and uh, we hope that you get well soon. Um, I was sick last week, and it was not the most fun time, obviously. So hope you feel better soon. 
Definitely. Um, and yeah, again, hope all of you guys have a really, really good Thanksgiving with your loved ones. Another key to victory before we move on, Jawan Jennings. Jawan Jennings, he showed oh, up again Sunday night, third down monster. The 49ers can continue to rely on him. Maybe not only on third downs, maybe yeah. earlier on. But And this was after I had, I had talked smack on him, too. I should just keep talking smack on players. They seem to want to prove me wrong. So I think this reverse psychology thing is kind of working. Um, reverse yeah. jinx or whatever, whatever have you. So, um, yeah, Juwan Jennings. I mean, I think that in general, converting on third downs is going to be something that the 49ers need to do. Traditionally, this season so far, they have not been the best third down converting team. I'd like to see them convert at over a 50% clip. I think that's a good clip to kind of get things done. So um, I think that we can definitely, you know, use Juwan Jennings and George Kittle and they have to win the third down battle. That's for sure. Yeah. So this is something that has happened since the last time we talked, we recorded a show and I'm sure you've seen it going around social media. Trent Williams tipping plays. It goes back to week one when the 49ers lost to the Bears. The Bears rookie defensive lineman, I forget who it was, said that. Oh, yeah, he noticed on tape he was tipping plays. Jesse Naylor of Last Second Sports tweeted out a clip, went viral. We had people like, um, I'm forgetting his name right now, the former Eagles player who does his show on Fox Sports 1. Gosh, I'm totally forgetting his name. Uh, He basically broke it down and said why it's not a big issue. It ended up being asked to Kyle and Trent himself to where they basically said it's not an issue. What do you think of it, if anything? Because we haven't even discussed this. Yeah, I mean, I think it's somewhere in the middle, right? Like, I don't think it's necessarily going to, you know, kill a play or anything like that. But, and, and by the way, it's not going to affect Trent Williams per se just because he's so good. But we see Mike McGlinchey struggling, um there are other factors involved you know if the if the defense thinks that it's a pass and he's tipping plays on play action which the 49ers do more than any team in the league and play action passes need time to develop i mean you got a quarterback that's turnover prone you have a right tackle that's giving up sacks prone i know that it might not be the biggest deal to tip your plays but it's you know as the saying goes it's not not a problem. You know what I mean? So it's, they should try. And I think um, Chris Forster came out and said, Hey, like you don't, you really don't want to tip plays. Cause it's not just about you. It's giving, you know, defensive players keys for your teammates as well. And I think that that is something that specifically refers to Mike McGlinchey on. Um, and it really depends on the team too, because, you know, Nick Bosa came out and said, you know, there I do know defensive linemen that look up, look for tells like that, pick up on those things. He's like, but for us, you know, because they just want us to pin our ears back and go after the quarterback, we don't really worry too much about pre, you know, pre-snap reads. So um, for me, I, I think it's not as big a deal as, as it was made in that thread, but also the people that are just completely dismissing it, I don't think are right either. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, I'm trying to pull up a clip because there was a clip of – it's from years ago, mind you, of Bill Belichick talking about how they were aware. I believe it was Orlando Brown. Um, I forget which lineman it was exactly against the Raiders – or excuse me, against the Ravens. And he basically said, we knew for a fact that he was tipping his plays one way or another. Oh, I just found it. Uh, let me see if I can pull it up. 
Jets just had a complete meltdown on special teams against the Patriots. Gave up a punt return touchdown with five seconds left. Oh, my. What's the score? It's going to be 10 to 3. Oh, all right. Yeah. So this is from an NFL show. If it gets copyrighted, the show, whatever. It's just like a 10 second clip. Field solidified. Bill Belichick could now concentrate on his opponent's lineup. We hadn't played the Ravens since I've been here. So we really had no history with them. But the one player we did have a history on was Orlando Brown, and he was their right tackle. In all my years of coaching, I don't think we've ever had a better key than we had on Orlando Brown on his stance where we could read run or pass. When he was up in a two-point stance, it was it was 100% pass. And then when he was down, you know, he, it was always running. And, and we had it down cold. So we're getting ready to go out for the game, go out for warm-ups. And we meet with the officials and, and get the inactive list. And Orlando Brown's inactive. Broke our heart. So... I mean, and that's the thing, you know, and I know there's a comment in here that you that you put up that Tommy Huxley, that Trent says he does it to manipulate you. That's bullshit. That's him spinning. Yeah. Like, and, and I don't I, I don't buy that for a second. Which former lineman it was. It might have been one of the Schwartz brothers that said any lineman, once they get a little older, they start doing this because if you notice, it's on passing plays when he has to go backwards. His leg is a yep. little behind running plays. And again, this might not be a big deal. Yes, Troy Williams can win his one-on-one, -on -one, but I think it's a, you don't want the opposing team to know what you're doing. I right. think that's still something you want to keep a secret. So if you could just not tip it off, maybe that yeah. would be better. I think at this point, though, it's you know that ship has sailed and Trent Williams yeah. is who he is. So it is what it is. I just wanted to talk about it since it oh, definitely yeah. took over 49ers Twitter the past two weeks. Oh, it turned into this yeah, it's been debate and and an argument. Um Melissa has a question for you, Matt. Is it just me or the 10,609 fine on the Greenlaw hit was way outlandish. It was not dirty. They had already ejected him, and now this, I'm pissed. This is worse than the Ahmad Brooks clothesline to Drew Brees. Yeah, it's pretty dumb. Yeah. It's pretty dumb. I mean, again, I had ta already talked about I didn't think that it was an ejectable type hit. Now you're fining the man on top of it. I don't know. That's And, and the funny thing, too, is – during the game, it had come from New York. So Troy Vincent was the one that handed down the ejection and probably had a hand. And I'm just like, Troy Vincent, really? I remember Troy Vincent laying some dudes out, helmet to helmet, cracking them. Like, if anybody was going to have a little bit of grace for these types of, of things, it would have been Troy Vincent, but I guess not. It's a messed up call messed up fine it is what it is like you said at least it didn't impact the defense too much they were still able to hold on to the win um with that all said we got to thank today's sponsor and then we are going to give our predictions and mm -hmm. wrap up um obviously got to thank my bookie let me pull up the there it is all right shout out to my bookie guys usually it is Let's see if YouTube doesn't screw me. Uh, usually it is they will match your first deposit. But through this week, just Thanksgiving week, there will be a cash deposit bonus. The bonus itself is a 10% cash bonus on any deposit up to $2,000. So a max bonus would be $200 on a $2,000 de deposit. But the best part about this is the 1x playthrough amount 
So usually you got to bet, you know, $5 to win $100, but you would have to bet 15 to 25 times that amount just to be able to get your money out. Now it is only a one-time bet through amount. So you bet $5 and you get matched 10% of that. Well, you only have to bet $5 to win it out, to take it out. Excuse me. It's a lot easier once you go to mybookie.ag, sign up with promo code HIVE, Start betting today, guys. I got a couple parlays that I'm very interested to see where they're at as soon as I leave this show. Hopefully, the 49ers can take care of business tomorrow night, but I also want to be a winner this Sunday with my bookie. Mybookie.ag, promo code HIVE. Take advantage of that 1x playthrough cash deposit bonus. And also, for all new accounts through the end of the month, we are giving away – well. Shouldn't say giving giving away. It is a raffle for a Christian McCaffrey jersey. If you signed up and used promo code Hive for your MyBookie account, send us proof of that account and any deposit you make using promo code Hive, and you will be entered to win a Christian McCaffrey jersey. We will announce it at the beginning of December. Good luck to everyone, Matt. Let's get into our players of the game and final score predictions. Offensive player of the game, who you got? Yeah, well, I mean, speaking of the giveaway that we're doing, I think it's going to be Christian McCaffrey. He was a little quiet last week. Um, I think that after that huge game against the Rams, defenses were keyed in on him. But with my idea of the 49ers keeping it closer to the line of scrimmage, um, you know, getting the play out quicker, one of the guys that's going to be the most effective at that is Christian McCaffrey, whether that's coming out of the backfield, whether that's lining up in the slot to take one of those tunnel screens. I think that he is going to have a two touchdown game and the 49ers are going to be able to, you know, at, use him to catch the Cardinals on their back heel, particularly up at altitude in Mexico City. Yeah, definitely. They need to take advantage of that and just get them winded, get them tired. If I remember correctly, I don't think the Cardinals traveled anywhere to get used to the higher uh, altitude. So hopefully they get winded quicker than the 49ers who were in Colorado, if I remember correctly, dealing with this altitude and cold. It was like freezing cold, by the way. Um, my guy Dion Nine Game Podcast says, I'm going with the running backs for the offensive players of the game. Good pick, just like Matt. I'm going to go with the guy we talked about earlier and Brandon Ayuk. I think he's going to have a good game. Um, Byron Murphy's out. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to continue to go to B.A., I'm going to say B.A., six receptions for – I'm going to say he tops 100 yards, 105 yards, and I think he gets in the end zone. Touchdown for B.A. I know your defensive player prediction, but let's hear it anyway. Yep, we got to say it anyway. Nick Bosa, three sacks and a forced fumble. That's what it's going to be. It's going to happen, and when it does happen, I'll say that I knew it all along. Until then, it's going to be my pick every single week. Love Nick Bosa. He's having an incredible season, nine and a half sacks. Let's get that up to 12 and a half. Nick? I listened to him on uh, Rich Eisen podcast. That man is the most leveled man ever. I don't know if he's like, it's like he's consistently on Xanax or something. He's just, yeah, I don't know. Uh, oh, okay. His it's brother's so like funny. that. Too. Joey is like that too. Yeah. For somebody and who's such a whole... beast of a person. Yeah. Very soft-spoken. Um, all right, my defensive prediction. You know what? I'm going to go with Fred Warner. I think Fred Warner, he kind of fell off a little bit at the beginning of the year, but I think he's been able to ramp that back up, and he's been able to play at a higher level the past couple of weeks. And I'm going to go with Fred Warner, and I think he gets a pick. I think he gets a pick this Monday night against the Cardinals. All right, final score predictions. 
Who do we got? By the way, leave yours in the comments. If you get it right, we'll send you free merch. Yeah. Um, so I I think the 49ers offense is going to have a little bit better um you know, a little bit better showing this week. I think that Arizona has a ton of injuries to overcome. They still have to overcome the incompetent coaching of Cliff Kingsbury. And I think that the 49ers get out and win one big. I think the final score will be 27 to 16. Damn. All right. That would be nice. That would be really nice. Um, Let's see. How do I? I'm I'm tough, man. But I, I got in my head, I got a... 28 to 13 49ers. I think they just take care of this game. They stay undefeated in the division. They're able to handle the Cardinals handedly for once. It's not a close game. It's not a blowout for the Cardinals. 49ers 28, Cardinals 13. I like it. Like I said, guys, comment your final score predictions. If you're watching this after we've aired, leave it in the comments. If you're seeing this on Twitter, tweet them at us. Get them to us however you can. But as soon as the first play starts, the entries are over. You cannot uh, enter your final score predictions then. I just wanted to – Arizona is not a higher elevation than either Colorado or Mexico City. Not even close. Just so you know. All right. Tommy Huxley spreading misinformation here on the RGS yep. podcast. Yep. All right. Uh, With all that said, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Like we said, hopefully you have a fantastic Thanksgiving. I'm not sure if we're going on Monday night because it will be late, but we will definitely bring you something. I'm working Monday night, so. Okay. Yeah, it'll have to be, I think, um, maybe Wednesday. Okay. All right. Yeah, waiting for Wednesday. Midweek. But follow us on Twitter. Handle's on the screen so you don't miss any announcements for our shows, anything like that. Appreciate all you guys for tuning in. Matt, you want to take us out? absolutely um we need to get three in a row the division is ours for the taking you know seattle's starting to come back to earth as we saw last week um and i think that you know the 49ers have all the talent in the world they can get it done but it starts on monday night it starts with being consistent uh keep you know keep the ball safe and everything like that thank you guys for joining us um i hope you have a great great start to your week and that includes a 49ers victory let's see a victory tuesday this week Uh, with that being said thank you as always for joining us and until next time go Niners